Amen. Revelation chapter number four. I tell you what, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. We'll go back to Revelation 14. Let's start with Revelation 16. Let's start with Revelation 16 in verse number 12. Revelation 16, verse number 12. And uh, then we'll do the review there. All right. How many of y'all got something to eat? Everybody got something to eat? I tell you, I know what I need to do now. I'm just going to have to start feeding you. Then y'all going to show up. Amen. Great crowd tonight. Great crowd tonight. I'm so glad to see you. Glad to see you. And it might just be the topic of Armageddon's got everybody here. You want to know what's fixing to happen. But either way, uh, I don't care why you're here. I'm just glad you're here. It's good, good crowd. Let's look in Revelation chapter number uh, 16 and verse number 12. If you're there, say amen. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So these are demons. These are demons that are going, going forth. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he shall walk naked and they see his shame. Now let's all read verse 16. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Let's read it again. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, and Lord, thank you for the privilege of having an air-conditioning building. Thank you for the the, the padded pews. Thank you, Lord, for a good crowd tonight. They're hungry to study your word, and I pray they will not leave disappointed. I pray that your perfect will be done. Help us as we glean your word, and, 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 and Lord, just sit at your table tonight. Please don't let us, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. I pray that my mind will be controlled by your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that we'll leave enlightened and we'll leave encouraged and we'll leave challenged. And Lord, we'll leave motivated to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ and share our story, share God's story. And Lord, I praise your holy name. You're you're worthy of our praise. Lord, you're worthy of everything we could ever offer unto you and give to you. And God, I praise you and I thank you and I glorify your name. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. He gathered them together in a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. He prepared the way. All right. He dried up the river Euphrates. The river Euphrates is a natural barrier between the east and the west. And uh, it gives an opportunity. Now, when you think East, you think of Russia, you think of India, you think of China, everything on that side uh, getting ready to come. But he is gathering all the kings, all the kings of the earth, the whole world. All right. Now, now go back, go back to Revelation chapter number 14, Revelation chapter 14. We're going to read 14 and we're going to draw most of the, most of the outline from Revelation 19. All right. So, uh, we have Revelation 14, Revelation 16 and Revelation 19 all have to do with Armageddon, the last battle, the last battle. Now, uh, there's going to be one last uprising after the millennial reign. But that is just going to be, God's just going to squash them and it's going to be over with. I mean, that's not, this is the last battle of good versus evil. The last battle of humanity, man coming to fight against God, to rebel against God. This is the, uh, this is the culmination of all of, of time. All of humanity's history is culminating in this rebellion against God. The rebellion against God began in the Garden of Eden. Just a little bitty, just a little bitty bump in the timeline of humanity, but it's all been building up, building up, building up, building up, building up to this point, to Armageddon. If that makes sense, say amen. Now let's look. Revelation chapter 14 in verse number 15. 
Revelation 14, verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Now, you're going to hear this kind of terminology, ripe. You know, it's full. The vats are full. And, and basically what that means is God, the, the, the level of sin, rebellion, iniquity, and wickedness has reached the level that God is done. Does everybody understand that? It is finished. God is allowed, God is merciful. God is long suffering. God has been putting up with this a long time, but at this point it means it's done. It's right. It's, it's, it's rotten. And he, he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is heaven, uh, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle and another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in thy sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vines of the earth and cast it into the great what? Wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden, trodden. And we're going to explain all that when we get to about the third point. Without the city and blood came out of the wine press, even into the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand and 600 furlongs, 1600 furlongs. A furlong was a, a, a measurement of called a stadia, which is approximately 180 miles. 180 miles. Okay. So just keep that in your head. 180 miles. Now let's go to revelation chapter number 19, revelation chapter number 19. I like hearing them pages turning. I love that. Matter of fact, that's the only time I like hearing it. All right. Uh, verse chapter 19, verse 11, verse 11. If you get there, say amen. amen. Now here, here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. Let me, let me, let me kind of give you a, uh, a brief review of the past few studies. Okay. Uh, this study has been what's next. What on the, on the chronological timeline, what is next? Uh, we covered first, we covered the rapture of the church, right? We know nothing has to happen. Nothing is on the timeline. The very next thing on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. When he comes and, and takes his children home, say amen. I, I, uh, therefore, you know, first Thessalonians, first Thessalonians chapter four, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we, which are alive and remain should be called up together to be with them in the clouds. We find that in revelation chapter four in verse number one. And, and we are not, we, we have not been appointed to wrath. Say amen. amen. All right. The church is taken out. The next thing, the next thing we saw was the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. This is where the saints will be rewarded for their labor in the work they do for Christ. We know there's two judgments, amen, two judgments, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is the judgment of the lost. We haven't even got to that yet. We'll be getting to that. But that's when all of the, the unsaved, the unbelievers will be judged for their sins. And they will have to pay for their sins. Okay? But the judgment seat of Christ is where we will stand before God and be rewarded for our deeds. We will receive crowns that we have an opportunity, thank God, and a privilege to offer back to Jesus for what he's done for us. Say amen. Now, at that time, at that time, the judgment seat of Christ happens in earth, or excuse me, in heaven, right? At that time, the tribulation begins. The tribulation begins. A seven-year period of horror, a seven-year period of judgment of God upon this earth. Last week, last week we covered this seven-year period. Uh, we said it had 21 different judgments. We, we had the seven uh, excuse me, seven seal judgments where he opened a seal and something came forth. We saw the, the white horse rider, the red horse rider, the, the pale uh, horse rider or the black horse rider and the pale horse rider. 
uh, which began the, the, the beginning of the tribulation period. Out of the seven seals came the seven trumpets. Uh, the angels would blow a trumpet and a judgment would fall. They blow a trumpet and a judgment would fall upon this earth. Out of the last trumpet came the bold judgments or the vile judgments. God would pour out the bowl of his wrath upon this earth. At the very end of all of them, at the very end of all of them, and, and by the way, from the very first one to the very last one, they continue to increase in intensity, kind of like a crescendo. Are y'all with me? Y'all ever heard an orchestra or something and, and the drums, they were just like real soft and then they got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's exactly the way these judgments are going to take place. Through the tribulation period, God is going to judge Mankind. God is going to deal with his people, Israel, and draw them back to him. And what did we learn? What did we learn last week? We learned that even in the midst of incredible judging, incredible horror, incredible suffering and pain, God is trying to draw them back to him and bring them to a place of salvation. But what do they do? They refuse to repent. And not only do they refuse to repent, they blaspheme his name. They blaspheme his name. We learned last week that the tribulation period is not, it is not showing how evil God is. It's showing how graceful God is and how merciful God is. But we saw how wicked man is. Man refused to repent, refused to turn to God. They would rather hide from him than come to him for mercy and grace. And so at the end of those seven years, at the end of the tribulation period, we find the battle of Armageddon or uh, the, the day of the Lord's wrath. Now, here's what I want to write down. I want you to write this. First of all, uh, we're going to look at the place, the place. And it's going to be, it's going to be um, maybe a little more than you thought. Maybe it's going to be a little more than you thought. Let's talk about uh, the place. The word Armageddon, <clears throat> the word Armageddon itself means hill of Megiddo. The scriptures refer to the hill of Megiddo. It re- refers to the valley of Megiddo and to the town of Megiddo. The valley of Megiddo is part of the plan of Estra Elon. Estra Elon. The plain of Estra Elon is about 20 miles long and 14 miles wide. The geographical location of this area is quite interesting. For out of Lebanon, there extends what is known as the Great Rift. Now, I want, to, I want you to put that map up there for me. And uh, uh, Brother Travis, could you, could you go to my, uh, never mind, never mind. Uh, look, at, look at where the curve, I, I was going to get my pointer. I set it on my desk so I wouldn't forget it, and I forgot it anyways. All right. Now, how many of y'all can see this map? Say amen if you can. Okay. Now, if you see, if you look up to the top of the map up there, there's like a little bitty half moon in that. Do y'all see that? That starts, that right there starts that valley, that valley, okay? The valley of Jezreel, the valley of Megiddo. It's a a low-lying area that comes all the way through, past where that red arrow is, and then it connects to a great rift, a great low area that comes straight down It encompasses the Sea of Galilee. It encompasses the Jordan River, the Dead Sea, all the way down to Edom. And that rift runs also into Africa. It's just like, it's almost like one major valley, but it kind of connects from the Valley of Jezreel into the, the Jordan River Valley all the way down. So if that makes sense, say amen. That's important. You got to see that. Now watch, now watch this plane. The geographical location of this area is quite interesting. For out of Lebanon, there extends what is known as the Great Rift, beginning at the Dog River and then turning south. You are the man. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Now I get to play with my toy. All right, here we go. All right. In that Great Rift is the Sea of Galilee, right here, Sea of Galilee. Okay. And then the Jordan Valley, the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. Then the rift continues on down through that area and even extends into Africa. The armies of the great nations of the past have marched through that area. So basically, we're looking at this. There's a rift goes right through here. A low. This whole is like a major valley between two, two areas of mountains. Now, right here, this area right here. 
Oh, my, oh, I might need some new batteries. I can see it. Oh, man. Oh, Lord, help us. Now, right here is the valley of, there it goes. All right, the valley of Jezreel, and then it comes all the way down. Now, the reason that you need to see this, okay, let's look at three different places, all right, three different locations on this, on this map. Megiddo is at the top. Megiddo is at the top. All right, we've stood there on that hill. Tell Megiddo it's a, it's a, a city or right there on top of the, and you can look out across the, the valley, uh, Jezreel Valley. Uh, in, in Travis, I got another one of these, but it's in my desk. You'll have to slide, slide it out. It looks just like this, but make sure and bring that key with you. Uh, Randy, you might want to show him that key because he's got to have a key to turn it on. Doggone it. Okay, give me my map. Give me my map. Map. All right, right here, right here. Right here is me. It ain't going to stay. Ah. All right, y'all knock it off. We're in church. Okay. All right, but write this down. B, Kidron. Kidron. Tell you what. Got guests here and y'all cutting up. All right, the Kidron Valley. Watch this. Joel 3, Joel 3, uh, verse 9. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen. Everybody say, all ye and gather yourselves together round about thither cause the mighty ones or cause thy mighty ones to come down. O Lord. Now watch, let the heathen be awakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle. You see, there's that terminology again, Put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come get you down for the press. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's not it, but it'll work. Amen. All right. Come get ye down for the press is full. You see that terminology again? We're looking at a wine vat. Uh, the fats are overflowed for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. All right. Now, look at, let's look at our map. Let's look at our map. Okay. Megiddo is up here. Right here is the valley of Jehoshaphat. It is also known as the Kidron Valley. That you look out of Jerusalem, you look out of Jerusalem and you look across to the, uh, the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, the, the Olive Garden, the Mount of Olives there. In between, in between the old city Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives is the Kidron Valley. It's been called also the Valley of Jehoshaphat, all right? And it circles around the bottom of the city of David. So it kind of looks toward the south, okay? So up here we've got Megiddo. Right here, we see God's going to be gathering people also right there in the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now, let's look at the third one. Write this down. Basra. Basra. B-O-Z-R-A-H. B-O-Z-R-A-H. Which is basically Edom. Now, look at your notes. Look at your notes. All right. Up here, we have Megiddo. There we have uh, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. And down here, we have Edom. And basically, this whole area here is Basra. Okay? So, we're going to have armies here, Megiddo. Armies here against Jerusalem, right, at, right outside the city. And then armies here in Edom. Watch this. Isaiah 34, two, verse 3. Or verse 2 and 3. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain shall also be cast out and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses and the mountain shall be melted with their blood. Isaiah 63, one, who is this that cometh from and with dyed garments from this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Where, now watch how it's described. 
Watch how it's described. Now, if you'll remember Revelation 19, Revelation 19, we see him describe uh, a, a sword out of his mouth, a vesture, a vesture dipped in blood. Well, what that's about? Watch this. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the what, what's your garments doing red? Watch what he says. I have trodden the winepress and of the people there was none with me for I will tread them in mine and trample them in my and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my and I will stain all my raiment. That's, a, that's, an, that's an Old Testament prophecy concerning Jesus coming from the last battle from Basra. Now watch, now watch. Go back to my map. So here, when you think the battle of Armageddon, I, growing up, growing up, I always, you know, you, you, read the, you read the scripture and you think a place called Armageddon, that, that, that's one place. And it is a place. I mean, you can go to it. Matter of fact, we're going to see it in December. We're going to go there and, and, and see that whole valley. And the valley that we're going to see is right here. We'll stand on Megiddo right there. It's a, it's a mound. It's called Tel Megiddo. And you'll stand and see this whole valley. But when God says, when God says he's gathering all the armies of the world, y'all understand that? All of the world is going to come against Israel. And they're going to be gathered here, here. And here. So what are they doing? Say it with me. They're surrounding Israel. So Israel is going to be completely surrounded in this last battle. I say completely. They'll have the sea to their back. But, but they're going to be here. And they're going to be right outside the city. Are y'all with me? So when you think of the place, don't just think the Jezreel Valley. Okay? Think. The entire, the entire length of Israel. Now watch this. Watch this. The Bible says the distance that that blood is going to flow is 1,600 stadia or 1,600 furlongs, which is about 180 miles. Can anyone guess? Can anyone guess the distance from right here to right here? You're right. You're exactly right. So God knows what he's talking about from here, from here to here, from the top of Israel to the bottom of Israel, there is going to be a bloodbath in this valley that no man can fathom, no man. And we'll, we'll describe it. All right. Number two, number two. I want you to see the armies, or excuse me, the participants. Let's go back to chapter 19. Chapter 19. Now, does everybody, does everybody have in their head where it's going to be? In your mind, you can see on the map, you understand the, the context where, where the, this last battle of humanity is going to take place. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, now let's look at the participants. I didn't, I didn't put Christ because that's obvious. Okay. We know he's going to be there. He's going to be the one doing everything. Uh, because I didn't have room in your notes, but obviously Jesus is leading the charge, right? Revelation 19. Look at this verse 11. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true in righteousness. He doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his army, or excuse me, and his name is called the word of God. Now, who is the word of God? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning or with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Go on down in chapter number one. It says, and the word, capital W, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Who is that? The Lord Jesus. So who is coming out of the sky, coming down to this earth? The Lord Jesus, okay? Now watch this. 
<clears throat> in verse 14, and, and, and by the way, he's coming way different than he came the first time. He come a humble servant the first time. He come in humility the first time. He come with nowhere to lay his head the first time. He come and was rejected the first time. But the second time he's coming as a warrior. He's coming as king. Say amen. Listen, verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. All right, first of all, write this down. Who are the participants in this battle? First of all, we see the armies of heaven. The armies of heaven. Two things I want you to write down here. The Bible says, Revelation 19, 14, and the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Who are these? Who are these armies? First of all, write this down. The saints from heaven. The saints from heaven. We're going to come back from heaven with our Savior. Look what it says, Jude 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, what is that referring to? It's referring to all that blasphemy during the tribulation period. Do you remember how many times last week we, we, we said over and over, they blasphemed the God of heaven. They blasphemed the lamb. Instead of repenting, they blasphemed. This is what that's in reference to. All right. They're building up, building up. Okay. Uh, then we see not only the saints from heaven, but write this down. The angels from heaven, angels are going to come. Paul told the Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So who's coming? The saints. They're in their white raiment. <clears throat> They're in their white raiment. We're coming. We're going, to be, we're going to be part of the battle, but we're not going to participate. We're not going to participate. Flip, flip, flip your paper back over. All right, let's read the bottom, the bottom verse again. Isaiah 63. When you get there, say amen. amen. Who is this that cometh from Edom? With dyed garments from Basra, this is that it is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? I have tra trodden the winepress. I have trodden the winepress. And of the people there was none. There's none with me. We're with him, but we do not participate. We don't have to fight. We're there with our Savior. We're there with our Lord. We're there with our mighty King. And the mighty King is going to do it all. Do it all. And it's going to, what, what kind of weapon does he have? Say it again. A sword. A sword. It gives the image of a sword coming from where? Coming out of his mouth. What does Hebrews 4 tell us about the word of God? It is sharper than any so, so basically what the image is, is telling you that the weapon that Jesus is going to use is he's just going to say it. He's going to speak it and it's done. He never uses carnal weapons. He never uses human weapons. He's going to speak the word and destroy his enemies. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, now let's go back. Let's go back. Flip, 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 flip. Okay, so the participants, we see the armies of heaven, which include two different groups. Who are they? Saints, saints from heaven. That's all the saints, all the saints. I believe, I believe that includes Old Testament saints. I believe it includes the church. 
the, those who are saved, born again during the church age, and those, the tribulation saints. I believe all of that's going to be included there. All right? Now, let's look at the adversaries of heaven. The participants in this battle, in this war, in this, in this fight, are the armies of heaven, and then the adversaries of heaven. And you got to get that. You got to get that. Jesus is not just coming down here to crush innocent people. I mean, most, most fights and most battles that you see on earth, I mean, you, you, you can look at Russia and Ukraine as a great example. They're just indiscriminately bombing. They're, they're, they're civilians being killed, innocent people being killed, people just running for their life. That's not, that's not what this is going to be. These are going to be people who are wicked these are going to be people who are God haters. These are going to be people. Matter of fact, and you're going to see this as you study the verses, I run out of room. I run out of room. But as you study it, you will find that God is drawing these people in. They, they are think they hate God so much. Now, if you go, if you go and read the very beginning of chapter 19, okay. If you go read the very beginning of chapter 19, which, uh, uh, I think we'll just go ahead and do that. Go to chapter 19. And I want to show you something. Let me correct that. Chapter 14. Chapter 14. Quick, 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 quick. Got 27 minutes. Y'all going to get out early. All right. All right. You ready? Revelation 14, verse 1. All right. Now, toward the end of chapter 14, we, we saw the description of the wine press, right? We know the wine press is going to be that whole, the whole area of Israel, really the whole nation of Israel is going to end up being a wine press, but primarily right outside the city, it says, and the wine press was trodden without the city. What is the, when we, you think about a city in Jerusalem, what is it in Jerusalem? In Revelation, what is it? Jerusalem. Okay. Now watch this, watch this. Chapter 14, verse one. If you're there, say amen. amen. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount sign. Now, Mount Zion is right there in Jerusalem. Okay. Now watch. And with him, a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty four thousand, which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men being the first fruits unto God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile for they are without fault before the throne of God. And then watch this. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the heavenly everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth to every nation, kindred tongue, and people. Now here's the image. Everybody look at me. Here, here's the image I want you to see. During the tribulation period, during the seven year tribulation period, the church is gone. All right. Who is the witness? Who is the witness, the light of the world, the salt of the earth right now on this earth? The church, the body of Christ. We are, we are reaching this world. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be, you know, we learned about that Sunday, right? Our assignment. We're supposed to be reaching the world. It's the church's responsibility to be a light to the world. We're supposed to be going to every creature, right? Go preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world. Pre teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? Preach the gospel to every creature. We're just supposed to go to the uttermost. You shall be with us, me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the, the uttermost. But when the rapture takes place, what happens to the church? They're gone. They're gone. But see, God is not going to be without a witness. And God is not going to be without a light. So he is going to take 144,000 Jewish men. 
unmarried men, virgin men who've never been married. They're going to come from the 12 tribes of Israel. They're full-blooded Jewish virgin men out of the tribes of Israel. Now keep this in mind. The, the, the Jehovah's Witness are not these people. You understand? They're full-blooded Jews. They're unmarried. All right? And they are touched by God and sealed by God. I describe it this way. I describe it this way. Well, I read somebody that described it, so now I describe it that way. Imagine 144,000 Apostle Pauls. Y'all with me? 144,000 Apostle Pauls and God seals them to protect them during the tribulation. Because there's going to be untold horror falling upon plagues and, 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 and torture and, and, and suffering and all this. And they're going to spread over all the earth, spreading the, their headquarters. Their headquarters is going to be where? Jerusalem. All right. In this image that we just read, they're celebrating. They're celebrating. They're shouting. They're singing. They're with the Lord. The Lord, listen, they're, they're proclaiming the goodness of God. Then God's going to send an angel. All right. You can stop a man, but you ain't going to stop no angel. All right. An angel is going to go to every corner of the earth, taking the gospel. Now watch. Mankind, mankind, we already see it now. Mankind does not want to be told what to do. It started in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. God said, do this, and they didn't. That culminates from the very beginning of time with humanity all the way up into this time. They want God out of their life. They're trying to get rid of God. They're trying to get rid of any semblance of God. Now, who is always talking about God? These 144,000. Are y'all with me? If we're going to get rid of God, we've got to get rid of the people that talk about God. If we're going to get rid of God, we're going to have to get rid of the people of God. Are y'all starting to pick this up? We've got to get rid of the people that always brings God up. So now think about this. The nation of Israel is the size of New Jersey. The nation of Israel is the size of New Jersey, but the entire world will have armies on the outskirts of Israel to destroy Israel. Now, why are they coming to destroy Israel? Because Israel represents God. And the people who keep preaching about this God who keep irritating us and going everywhere evangelists, they're coming out of Israel. And if we can destroy Israel, we can get rid of God. Y'all seeing this now? So that's, that's what's happening. Now we know the back end of that. We know the, the real story. God is just using that as, as strings to draw them in. They think, they think we're going to get, we're going to finally get rid of God because we're going to get rid of everybody that talks about God and everybody that, that even believes in God. If we can destroy them, then God doesn't exist, but God is using that to bring them in. Okay. Now, now they're building up sin. They're building up an account. If you will, humanity is building up an account and God is merciful every day that goes by. He say, why don't God just come back? Because if he did, if he did, the, the account ain't full yet. Are y'all with me? The account's not full yet. The, the grapes are not ripe yet. God is being merciful. God is being long suffering. Church say amen. Now watch this, watch this. Zechariah 14, Zechariah 14, 2. For I will gather, how many? All nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. All right, now, now look at number three. 
I got to hurry, got to hurry. Kind of got sidetracked there. We see the picture. What was number one? What was number one? The place. Number two. The participants. Number three. I want you to see the picture here. It's a picture of a wine press. This last battle over and over and over again, God describes this as a wine press. Now, I want, I want you to look at, I hope these are clear enough. Look at these pictures here. This is a wine press in ancient Israel. It looks like two or three little mini pools, right? They would fill, they would fill that, main, that main place up with grapes. And they, then they would get in it and stomp it down. Trod it. Y'all with me? And they would crush the grapes. They would crush the grapes. Does everybody see this image? All right, look at the next one. You see this? And, and then it, it would run out and then they would catch it and then filter it and sift it and so forth and so on. But can you see the image there? Here, here's one in, in a real picture. They would fill that up and then just crush it and crush it and crush it and crush it and crush it till the blood of the grape, what? Poured out, poured out. Now, here's the image you got to get in your head. Here's the image you got to get in your head. Can I go back to the map? Can I go back to the map? Imagine from here to here, one Big wine vat. And God is drawing all nations, all the wicked, pulling them in and putting them in. Now watch, let's go back to Job. Let's go back to Job. Now watch. You don't have to turn, I'll read it. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither calls the mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be awakened and come up to the valley of... For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is the fats for their. Now, here's what you need to see the image, the grapes, the fruit represents their sin, their wickedness, their, their iniquity. Their blasphemies, the, all the martyrs that they killed, the, the, the beast, the Antichrist is going to be responsible for killing millions of Bi- or, or, or Bible believers who get saved during the tribulation period. And all of that, God is putting to their account, putting to their account. And when that account is, that's what the reference is. And so God is not coming indiscriminately killing people because they're not religious. Their wickedness has come to the the full. And he is coming in vengeance, righteousness, and justice. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, all of this is gathered. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, what does it say? What does it say? It says, what, what, what do they do? They trod it. They trod it. Are y'all with me? Till the what pours out? The blood, the, 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 the juice of the grapes. Now, the same image is this valley, this valley, the, 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 the map, this, this valley, this low is, is going to be the wine press. It's going to be full, full of heathens. That's the word that's used over and over. Heathens. And Jesus himself, 
is going to crush them. He's going to crush them. Do you see the image? Do you see the image that we found? Let's go back to Isaiah. Let's go back to Isaiah 53. Or excuse me, 63. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This is that. This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I speak in righteousness. Say that with me. I, I that speak in. Now, now what is, what is, what, what weapon does he have? Sword from his. What do you do with your mouth? Speak. What is he speaking? What does it say? Righteousness. Righteousness. Are y'all seeing how that ties together? Mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel? How did your garment get red? And thy garments like him that what? Well, you look like, you look like you've been treading in a wine press. Watch what he says. I have trodden the wine press and of the people, there was none with me for I will tread them in my and trample them in my, watch this now, and their blood shall be upon my garments and I will stain all my raiment. Revelation, stay where you're at. Revelation 19, his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Jesus is going to conquer in the valley. He is going to, he is going to crush, he is going to crush his opposition by speaking the word. Now, I don't think, I don't think the blood running from, can we go back to that map? I don't think from 100, it says 1600. 1600 stadia, 180 miles from here to here, that blood's going to run. And according to scripture, it says up to the horse's bits, the horse's bridle. So that's between three and four feet. Now I'm not, I, 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 I can't, I, I tried to calculate how many gallons that would be and how many people it would take one and a half gallons per person. I tried to do all that and, and it just, just take my word for it. You don't want to be there. Some commentaries say that, that when he's talking about to the, the horse's bridles, that it's going to, it's going to splash. You know, there's going to be so much blood that it's going to splash up on the, on the horse's bit that it will be that it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be unheard of. If you go and read Josephus and, and, and watch what happened, it's almost a, a, a prelude to what takes place at Armageddon. But Josephus writes about when Titus came into Jerusalem in AD 70. You remember when Jesus wept over Jerusalem and said, how off would I have, I have put you under my wings. And, 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 but now, now you, you've missed your day. You've missed the day of your visitation. And he said, and he told them what's going to happen. And it did. Listen, up to a million people were killed in Jerusalem. And Josephus said that the streets were washed that were in, in, in part of his, I, I couldn't find it in the book, but uh, one of the quotes of Josephus was that there was so much blood, it would literally put out fires that were started. Now that's, that's already on record. AD 70, when Roman, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and killed all of the Jews. Guess what? God's going to return the favor. And it's going to be way worse than it was in Jerusalem. All right. So number one, number one, the place. place. Okay. Has everybody got in your head the place? All right. It's not one specific valley. It's going to be the whole region of Israel. Okay. Number two, participants. All right. Jesus is leading the charge. He is going to do all of the action. He's going to speak it with his mouth. He's going to say the word and they're going to be crushed in those valleys. Right. We're going to be with him. The saints of God, all of the people in heaven are coming back with Jesus. Uh, the armies of the angels are going to be with him. And we're going to go against, uh, uh, what part of the world are we going against? All of the world. 
All of the world will be involved in this. All right? Now, now, number number three, what is it a picture of? The wine press. All right, Isaiah 63, I have trodden the wine press alone. Revelation 14, the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it unto the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden without the city. So you will be able to see it from the city. The blood came out of the wine press, even into the horses bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs, about 180 miles. Revelation nineteen fifteen. And out of his mouth go the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. Read it with me. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Number four, the purpose. The purpose. Revelation nineteen fifteen. <clears throat> and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Take your Bible, take your Bible real quickly and turn to Revelation 19. The armies, verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now watch this. Watch this. This is really cool. Okay. Uh, uh, a Lord of a manor was, was someone over a piece of property. Someone who, who had, uh, they would call him Lord Baron or Lord whatever. It was over a piece of property. A king, we know what a king is over a realm, over a kingdom. Now, when you see, when you see a king or king so-and-so, most of the time in your Bible, when it talks about kings of the earth, it's with a little K. But here is with a cap- capital, right? Now, and who is the kings there? That's you and me. Now look, in, in, in Revelation, I think, chapter 1, he says, He hath made us unto our God, kings and priests. So when he says he's the king of kings, he's talking about he's the lead king, the supreme king of all the people he has made to be kings. That's why we're coming back. You see, he's coming back. He's got, what happened, how, does a, how does a king take over? He has to win the battle. When he wins the war, he claims the spoils and takes charge. Are y'all with me? He begins his, his reign. All right. Now his reign, the capital of his reign will be Jerusalem. Y'all catching it? Y'all catching it? But in order to reign over the earth, he's got to conquer all the armies of the, does this make sense? Why are we coming with him? Because we're kings and we're going to reign with him. We're going to reign as kings under the king. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But he's got to prepare the earth for it first. He's got to defeat the armies of this earth. He's got to defeat the wickedness. Now watch what's going to happen. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. Got to quit getting distracted. Verse, verse 16. And he hath on his vesture on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast, this is the Antichrist. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth. And their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. They, they're coming. They're coming to fight against God. How, how blinded and arrogant do you have to be to think you can win a fight against the lamb? Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, they don't know they're fighting against God. Yes, they do. 
Because earlier in Revelation, we found out they said, hide us from him who sits on the throne. They know it's God, but yet they still want to fight. They still want to rebel. Look what it says. They were gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped the Im- his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So the first thing, what, four minutes, I can do this. All right, let me give you, let me give you kind of the timeline. Okay. All the armies of the earth are gathered. They're in that valley. They're gathered. They've, they've completely surrounded Israel. We're coming to annihilate the Jews. We're coming to destroy Israel. Okay? Now, they've even, they've even gone into the city. According to the one verse we read, they will sack the city, rape the women, and they're already in Jerusalem. Now, when that takes place, according to Scripture, Jesus is coming. The sky is going to open. He's going to return. And the Bible says every eye shall see him and mourn. Every eye. Now, people that, you know, before technology and satellites and all that, people was always skeptical. Now, how is every person on the planet going to see that? Now is no problem. Now is no problem. With satellite, cameras, pictures, I, I, can, I can see it now. Hello? All right, he's coming. The Bible says he's going to step. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. Y'all with me? He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. He's going to cross the Kidron Valley. He's going to go into Israel. He's going to claim his throne. In that, in that time slot, in that time slot is when he's going to fight. First thing he's going to do is capture the Antichrist and the false prophet. The, the religious figure that he used to deceive the whole world. First thing he's going to do, first thing he's going to do is he's going to take them and cast them into the lake of fire alive. Okay. He comes, he lands on the Mount of Olives right across from Jerusalem, right across the Kidron Valley. He takes the Antichrist. He takes uh, the false prophet that apparently they're going to be in Jerusalem when all this takes place and he throws them into the lake of fire. Now look what happens next. And the remnant, verse 21, and the remnant were, and with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. You say, what does that mean? The fowls were, all right. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen uh, a dead carcass on the road? What's usually, if you, you come up on a day or two later, what's all around it? Buzzards. Imagine, imagine, uh, you got that, Matt? <laughs> imagine this whole wine press and God crushes millions, maybe, maybe billions of people in that. There's going to be dead bodies everywhere. And God is inviting all of the carnivores, all of the, the uh, buzzards and vultures to come. Here we go. Here's the thing. It's not going to end well. We win. We win. Now, I know this, sound, this sounds really gruesome. And really awful. But if you could get a glimpse of what the Antichrist and his followers and everybody that takes the mark of the beast does to believers during the tribulation period. In the, in the church age is the age of grace and mercy. And we say, we say we turn the other cheek. We pray for those who despitefully use us and persecute us. But the Bible says during the tribulation period, those martyrs are praying for revenge. Go read it. It's in Revelation. How long will you not avenge our blood upon this earth? And he said, just rest a while. It's coming. It's coming. So 
What do we, what do we learn from this? We learn, number one, you need to be saved. Because if you're saved, you're going to be on the right end of that deal. All right, we learn this. There was two openings in heaven. The first one in chapter number four. And the, op- the first opening is when he came and took us to be with him. The second opening in chapter 19 is when we came back to earth with him. And that's the ride you want to be on. And all God's people say it. Let me give you the gospel real quick. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All. Everybody. Everybody. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, what Christ do? Christ died for us. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. For if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I love it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, call on him. Beg for mercy. Beg for mercy. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and save me. If you mean that with your heart and you turn to him in faith and believe in him, he will save you tonight. He will save you tonight. And all God's people say it.